0: I have come to the conclusion that Samson is a real loser. (laughs) I tell you what, to be ultimately a, a godly man who is restored and redeemed, man, he sure is going through some real serious rebellion. Well, we're going to continue talking to him, about him rather, because the last time that we saw Samson, he was headed back to his daddy's house. Samson was basically a runaway groom he had been betrayed by his bride. He had been outwitted by 30 Philistines. And then in his anger, he went off and killed 30 other Philistines, took their clothes, and brought them back to settle a gambling debt. So as we've seen so far, Samson is anything but a good, godly example. He was born to be a judge in Israel He was sent by God to be a deliverer of God's people. But all we've seen so far is a man who just can't control himself. Today, we're going to once again see the selfish side of Samson. We're going to see Samson in an all-out rage taking revenge on his enemies. We're going to see the results of anger that's allowed to burn out of control. We're going to find that while revenge appears to be attractive at first, in the end, revenge is very bitter. Today, we're going to see through Samson that getting revenge against those who wrong us is never right. Are you hearing me, church? It's never right. That getting revenge against those who wrong us is never worth the cost. So as we read this narrative of Samson today, we're going to see the bitter taste of sweet revenge. Let us begin. It's going to be on page two. 32. And the Bible's in front of you in Judges chapter 15. And I'm just going to begin with a couple of verses leading off Judges chapter 15. The Bible says that after a while, this is of course after his wedding, after a while in the time of the wheat harvest, it happened that Samson visited his wife with a young goat. And he said, Let me go into my wife, into her room, but her father would not permit him to go in. Her father said, I really thought that you thoroughly hated her, therefore I gave her to your companion. Is not her younger sister better than she? Please take her instead. So as we look at Samson's return, The first thing that I recognize is is that Samson returned with a plan in mind. He returned with a plan. After running away from his own wedding in anger, Samson cools off and he decides that he's going to come and make amends with his wife. He brings her a nice present. It's something that every woman would want. He brings her a goat. Amen? A goat. So he hopes that he can come and give that goat to his wife and everything will be healed. He can settle in and they can begin living happily ever after. That is Samson's plan, but that's not how things turn out. Why? Because Samson had a problem. He had a problem. Samson's daddy in law refuses to let Samson into his wife's room. He tells Samson that as far as he's concerned, the wedding's off. The wedding is off. He says that because Samson basically abandoned, uh, sa- abandoned his wife or abandoned his daughter at the altar, he assumed that Samson hated his daughter. He assumed that he hated her and so he just gave her To his best man. In his eyes. In the father-in-law's eyes. This marriage was annulled. But Samson's father-in-law does offer a very interesting proposal. The father offers Samson a trade. A trade. He offers Samson the prettier younger sister. Instead of the girl that Samson was set to marry. So Samson is learning here a very valuable lesson. In a very difficult way. He's learning. You can't trust Philistines. You can't trust those. Who have aligned themselves. With the enemies of God. You can't trust people. Who are opposed to God's ways. Because you know God warns his people. He warns his people that. Forming close relationships with unsaved people is a problem. It's a problem. In fact, he forbids marriages like Samson's. But did you know that God's command extends beyond marriage? That forming relationships with ungodly people extends beyond marriages to all associations in life? Like your friends... It extends to uh, your business relationships. It extends to social relationships. You see, believers need to be very careful with the kind of people you hang with. We need to be very careful. We want to hang out with people who are going to make us stronger in the Lord and not weaken us. We want them to make us stronger, not weaker. Now, we're not to totally ostracize ourselves from those that don't know Christ. We know that we're to share the gospel with them. But the problem is is we often get too close. We get too close. And when we get too close with ungodly, lost people, we end up paying a high, high price. And the price is, is we begin to look like them. We begin to think like them. We begin to talk like them. We begin to have attitudes and beliefs like them. That is a price that we pay. And when Samson returned after his temper tantrum, he began to see the price that we pay when we surround ourselves with ungodly people. And that led to Samson's revenge. Let's continue reading in verse 3. And Samson said to them, This time I shall be blameless regarding the Philistines if I harm them. And then Samson went and caught 300 foxes. And he took torches... He turned the foxes tail to tail, and he put a torch between each pair of tails. And when he had set the torches on fire, he let the foxes go into the standing grain of the Philistines and burned up both the shocks and the standing grain, as well as the vineyards and the olive groves. Then the Philistines said, Who has done this? And they answered, Samson, the son-in-law of the Timnite, because he has taken his wife and given her to his companion. And so the Philistines came up and burned her and her father with fire. Wow. So instead of taking defeat like a man, Going back to daddy's house and aligning yourself with God's will, Samson says, I'm getting even. I'm going to get even. The problem with getting even is it's impossible. You never ever get even. Samson is about to find out that revenge always spirals out of control. Samson is about to learn that that revenge continues to escalate. He's about to learn that violence begets violence. And so we need to learn what is it that's motivating Samson. What's going on in that head of his? Well, all you have to do is listen to Samson's language. He's concerned about himself. He's concerned about what they have done to him. His revenge is motivated by his own ego. Now, Samson should have been attacking the Philistines, all right. He should have been attacking the Philistines, but he should have been attacking them because they were oppressing the people of Israel. He should have attacked the Philistines all right, but he should have been attacking them because that's what God raised him to do. He should have been attacking the Philistines to help deliver God's people from the bondage and oppression of the Philistines. But instead, Samson attacks. Why? Because he's mad at the way they've treated him. You see, Samson's doing what he was called to do. Samson is doing what God called him to do, but he's doing it for the wrong reasons, y'all. He's doing what God called him to do, but he's got the wrong motivations. Do you see a problem with that? Motives drive what we do and how we go about doing it. Now, this is a good place for us to stop. Let's examine ourselves in this. What are our motives for serving the Lord? I can't answer that for you. Only you can answer that for yourself. But we need to know that it's our motives that determine how faithful you're going to be to God. It's important for us to know that our motives are going to regulate how you serve Him. If you think you've got to serve Him because it's your duty, eventually you're going to run out of duty, amen, and you're not going to serve the Lord. If we serve the Lord to receive some benefit ourselves because we think we have to, because we think it's our duty. If we think that we need to worship with the church because we want to be part of the group. If another group begins to offer something we need, you know what's going to happen? We're going to stop going to church and we're going to go over yonder to get what we think we need. So we need to examine Our motives. We need to examine our motives. Y'all, why do you serve the Lord? Why do you come to church? Why do you follow Jesus? Why do you do what you do? I read just this morning there are three basic things that we ought to be if we're Jesus followers. We ought to be lovers of God, lovers of others, and people that are making disciples. So if you ever ask yourself, well, am I really following Jesus? Ask yourself those three questions. Am I a lover of God? Do I truly love others? And am I making disciples? You see, if we're motivated by our love for Jesus, if we are moved by everything that He's done for us in saving us, in keeping us, and in blessing us, if we have come to the conclusion and we realize that everything we do, everything that we are, is a product of God's grace alone, then you're beginning to get... motivation for serving the Lord anything else as a matter of fact is the wrong motivation it's got to come from loving God loving others and making disciples if only Samson could have gotten that godly motivation what kind of man could he have been but instead, we learn that Samson's methods are far different. Samson is determined that he's going to have his revenge on these Philistines. And so what does he do? He catches 300 foxes. He ties them tail to tail, and he ties a torch in between each pair of foxes, and he sets them free. And these terrified little animals freak out, right? and they immediately run through all the wheat fields, they run through all the olive groves, and they run through all the vineyards and burn all of it down to the ground. Nothing but ash heaps. Revenge burned in Samson's heart. And he was determined that he was going to get his pound of flesh from these Philistines. But Samson made a grave error Samson miscalculated these Philistines. You see, Samson got his revenge, and he probably thinks, that's the end of that. Amen? I got them good. But he's made a terrible, terrible miscalculation. The Philistines are absolutely furious at the economic loss of all that wheat, of those olive orchards and these vineyards, and somebody tells them, Samson is the one who's responsible. Samson did it. And being wicked men themselves, you know what they're going to do? They're going to get revenge. They're going to get revenge. However, they don't attack Samson himself. What do they do? They attack others to get to Samson. They attack other people so that they can get revenge on Samson. Are you seeing how things are spiraling out of control? Are you seeing how things are escalating, and including larger and larger groups of people? They don't attack him. Instead, what do they do? They take the woman that he married and her daddy and burn them alive. I think they'd probably shut them up in the family home and burn the whole thing down to the ground. Imagine how terrible that would be. That shows exactly how revenge escalates. Someone does or says something about you, And then you respond back with actions or words. And then they respond back with even harsher actions or words. And all this keeps going and going and going until lives are ruined, reputations are stained, and relationships are forever shattered. That's how revenge works. That's how getting even works. Can I just say... If you're listening, say amen. Can I just say to you that it is never God's will for you to get even, for you to take revenge on somebody that's wronged you. It's never God's will for you to do that. When we are attacked, we are never to attack back. Because when we attack them back, we are no better than they are. And we're going to see in a moment. Just how we are to respond when we're attacked. Because you see, God always has a better way. Amen. And God has a better way for us to respond to revenge. So, Samson has returned to his wife. He had to exact his revenge, but it ain't over with yet. I want you to see this rampage that Samson goes on now. Verse 7. Judges 15, and Samson said to them, since you would do a thing like this, that you would burn my wife and her daddy, I will surely take revenge on you, and after that, I will cease. He just thinks that that will bring a ceasing to it, but it just keeps going. And going and going. And so Samson attacked them hip and thigh with a great slaughter. And then he went down and he dwelt in the cleft of the rock at Edom. So Samson hears about the death of his wife and her family. And naturally he takes things to the next level. The violence continues to escalate. Just look at how Samson retaliates. Verse 8 says, Samson attacked them hip and thigh with a great slaughter. That's Old Testament language for he whooped them and he whooped them good. Amen. That's Old Testament language for he did not stop until they were all dead. That's Old Testament language for he didn't stop until everybody who was involved paid the price. He killed them all. He killed everybody who was involved. He got the ultimate revenge against his enemies. He took their lives. Now, when I hear about this, I say to myself, I don't know if I really blame him. But what I'm really revealing to you is, is that I'm probably not above a little bit of revenge in my own life. I mean, think about this. When I hear about this, I can't tell you what I would do if somebody attacked my family. I can't tell you that I wouldn't take revenge. Because, listen, you attack me, and that's one thing. You attack my family, and it's on. Amen? Amen? And did you know that scientists have actually found that there's a part of the brain that creates chemicals that create feelings of pleasure and feelings of satisfaction by the act of revenge? So this revenge thing, this getting even thing, is kind of hardwired into our flesh. It is a fleshly activity, and sometimes we have a hard time letting it go. So that's how he retaliates. But like I mentioned before, there's always a motivation for everything we do. What is the motivation? What are the reasons for Samson's revenge? Well, Samson's reasons for seeking revenge are purely selfish. It's all about him. When you read verse 7, he doesn't mention a single word about how much he loved his bride. When you read that verse, we don't see a single mention of the Lord. There's not a single mention of God's people or the nation of Israel. When we look at that verse, he doesn't mention all the injustices done to God's people. He doesn't mention the Lord's will. He doesn't mention the Lord's glory. He doesn't even mention the Lord's name. Why? Because all Samson thinks of is himself. Surely I will take revenge on you. I will take revenge on you. And if we're honest, that is the main problem with revenge. It don't have a single thing to do with God. It's all about us. Amen. It's all about my ego. It's all about my hurt feelings. It's all about my need to get even. Listen, God has a better way. In fact, I want to share with you four better ways that God has instead of us taking matters into our own hands. Number one, instead of taking matters into our own hands, why don't you leave the matter in God's hands? Amen? Romans 12 17 says, Repay no one evil for evil. Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Let God handle it. Number two, instead of attacking those who attack you, why not pray for them? Just love on them. Just just I mean, just do good to them. Do you remember what Jesus said? Love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who spitefully use you and persecute you. I didn't say it was easy. I just said God commanded it. Amen. How about this one? Number three. Instead of seeking revenge, why don't we just thank the Lord for counting us worthy to suffer like He did? You remember what what Peter said? He said, if you're reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you. Blessed are you, blessed are you, for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. I didn't say it was easy. I just said it would be your benefit. The fourth one, instead of seeking revenge, instead of attacking others who have attacked you, why don't we just practice being obedient to what God told us to do, and that is offer full and free forgiveness. I didn't say it was easy. I just said God commanded it. Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Get this, even as God in Christ forgave you. So maybe they're in need of the same forgiveness you've been afforded. I read this illustration and found it so poignant. There were 100,000 fans who watched Richard Petty end his 45 NASCAR race losing streak. Richard Petty picked up the biggest purse that NASCAR had at the time, $73,500, when he won the 1979 Daytona 500. Here's how it happened. Going into the last lap, Richard Petty was in third place. Cale Yarborough was in second place, and Donnie Allison was in first place. As Cale Yarborough snuck up on Donnie Allison in the first place position, Donnie Allison bumped him and knocked him into the infield grass. Boy, that got him riled up. He came out of the grass, back on the track, caught up with Donnie Allison, and drove him into the wall. And as they came to a stop, the two jumped out and became and started a knockdown, dragout fistfight right there on the track. Meanwhile, third place Richard Petty cruised right on by him for the win. Donnie Allison, who was leading most prestigious race in NASCAR that year, the Daytona Five Hundred got his revenge on Cale Yarborough. And then Cale Yarborough got his revenge on Donnie, Donnie Allison. But both of them were losers. Both of them were losers. You see, when we seek to get even, when we seek to Get even with those who have done things against us, who have said things about us. Ultimately, you know who the loser is? Revenge is a game that's played by fools. If you are wise, my friend, if you are wise, you know when to walk away. If you are wise, you will know when to leave matters in the hands of your sovereign God who will settle all the accounts and balance all the books. You can leave it in His hands. But you'll never get even when you seek revenge. I've chewed on this message all week long and I wondered is this going to affect them like it's affected me? Has the Lord spoken to you through this message? Is there somebody out there that you need to forgive? Maybe it's a parent or a family member Or somebody that's done you down and dirty? Is there something that you're harboring in your heart that you need to let go of? Do you need to repent? Turn away from seeking to harm others who have done things against you and said things against you? you need to turn away from this, this misleading act of trying to get even? I believe that God sent these verses for such a time as this. Every time I turn on the news, I get mad. I get mad because of the political climate. I get mad because of our national upheaval. And I want to get some flesh. Amen. I'm just being honest with you. I know that I needed to hear this this morning. Maybe you did too. I want to encourage you that during our decision time this morning, There's somebody that needs to be forgiven. Something you've got to let go of. Something that you just need to to pray about and leave right here at this altar. Whatever it is. I want to encourage you to come. Because if you are harboring that and you're seeking that, that, that vengeance, ultimately you will So this altar will be available. I'll be available to pray with you. And if you're ready to come to Christ, He'll provide you with everything you need and enable, enable you to, to deal with your hurt. So you come if the Lord is leading. Let me pray for you. Father God, not a single one of us here in this room and- We'll